G'day. Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners. We interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders, many from leading search technology brands, plus the world's foremost SEO educators. They'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey, as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. Hello and welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber. I'm your host. I've got Gabriel Grossman with me. Gabe, g'day. How are you? Good, thanks, mate. How are you? Excited for a, another great guest, but this time a returning guest. Our first returning guest. So we've got Steve Wiedemann of Wiedemann Consulting. G'day, Steve. Welcome back. Hey, guys. Thanks for letting me be the uh, first to be on twice. Yes. Now, today's episode will be structured a little bit differently because we've had Steve here before, but those who listen to this podcast know that we open with the same question every time, which Steve answered last time. So I'm going to change it up. For today, we're going to say to Steve, what is one actionable tip that you'll give to an SEO to implement on their website today? One actionable tip to implement today would be it would be to review and improve your internal links to point to the most important pages the most. That's a great tip. I'm doing a presentation tomorrow and one of the tips is around, yeah, internal links and the importance of internet. We always talk about links external, mm-hmm. these links pointing at you, but what are we doing with that SEO juice within our site and how are we making it easier for people to uh, get within the site? So the link graph has not gone anywhere, so use it. <laughs> yep, yep. So we had Steve on a couple of months back. We went deep on local SEO and yep. on some of the really cool things that Steve and his team had done with Applebee's. So if you're trawling through all of our old podcasts, I definitely recommend have a look at the Applebee's episode. We also had a pretty good conversation around your history and how you fell into, into SEO, all of the work you've done you know, with Disney and all. we just heard a little bit about your, your past off air just now, which I didn't know either. But you've had some really cool professional growth and some milestones since we last spoke. Do you want to maybe speak to that, Steve? Sure, of course. I'm, I'm sure everyone listening has has personal goals, right? The, the big rocks and things they want to focus on. 10 years ago, I said to myself, in 10 years from now, I want to be teaching and I want to have written a book. And it took me the good part of a year, but I did, thanks to my co-author, Scott Kelly, Professor Scott Kelly from University of Michigan. Uh, we co-authored a textbook for Stukent, an online uh, textbook and courseware for uh, college students. You know, it was, it was a lot of work, but I got it done. I also yeah. said I wanted to teach, and now I'm teaching at three different colleges and a total of nine classes. Um, not all concurrent, thankfully, but there are, are times that there's some overlap. I'm teaching uh, digital marketing landscape at, you know, Cal State Fullerton and website optimization and strategic SEO at UC San Diego. I'm teaching yeah. web analytics, SEO analytics uh, and tools. At, um, at Fullerton College, I'm teaching website design, SEO, SEM, and online advertising. <laughs> so, but but it's all it's all online courses that's sort of self-paced. Where you know I spend up a, a day or two before the course starts and produce all the content, and I just stay on you know for a few minutes uh, a week as as students need help or need a little office hour time with me. But what was what was exciting this week anyway? Well, well actually near the end of last week uh, was that this is the first term at Cal State Fullerton or at any of the colleges where I get to teach from my own textbook. So being being on that 
that first, you know, office hours and the questions come up like, Professor, I think they have your, your name incorrect on Canvas. They, they put the name of the book author. And I said, no, I'm, I'm the book author. Like, wait a minute, we're, we're getting taught by the person who wrote the textbook. And uh, I thought that was really exciting. And then a few That's days so ago, cool. we got an email from Stukent that, that the total number of colleges that have adopted our, our textbook now and courseware is 18. So, and you know, they're, they're saying the feedback's been great. So I'm like, oh, thanks. It's like that, that moment of, oh my God, am, am I a tool or do I know what I'm talking about? And yeah. um, the fact that's, that it's been picked up and, and it's working as a, uh, you know, double win, right? And the, yeah. the trifecta of it, I think, is not just the textbook working and the textbook uh, being uh, something that's, that now I get to use in the class, uh, but also the fact that now for the first time I get this thing called royalties that I know nothing about, but it's exciting to have, you know, a way that I can scale myself beyond just, you know, consulting services. So it's been an exciting week. Amazing. That's huge. A couple of couple of things I'm curious on there, like a textbook. How long did it take you to put that together? And there's going to be iterations on that. It's SEO. It changes. Well, Every year. Marketing. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we're already starting the updates for this year, but... Uh, when we when we first started putting it together, there was a lot of momentum in the beginning. Got through chapter mm. one, two, no problem. Format's great. Editors give us good feedback on how we should structure it and keep it consistent. But I also run a business. You know, I have I have nine employees. I I manage. You know, well t- combined, we manage somewhere close to fifteen accounts. You know, and and I got a family, right? And and my my kids need a lot of attention. I have a lot of events yeah. going on. So it was it was really challenging, and it, it drug out a bit longer than we expected it to because. You know, Scott, Professor Cowley had a lot of the same constraints. You know, he was teaching full time and had kids and everything, too. So it took us a lot longer than we thought, but but we were able to get through it. Stukin pushed us through. They, you know, they motivated us. They reminded us. They nagged us. We got through it. And we ended up with 15 incredible chapters with lesson plans uh, for teachers and lecture slides for teachers and students, quizzes, exams, and uh, now a simulator. So you can actually go through the simulator and simulate a whole SEO campaign, you know, using the Stukin software. It's pretty cool. That's amazing. Gabe, did you study marketing? I did, mate. I studied marketing at Monash Uni. So I, I, I kind of knew from high school I wanted to get into marketing. Didn't know the first thing about yeah. SEO. Um, and, yeah. and funnily enough, I, I hope things have changed. I know they've changed to some extent, but the traditional marketing courses that you do back when I was in uni, maybe, you know, close to 15 years ago, there was an elective where you could take an optional unit around digital marketing, but there was nothing that actually really focused on the world of, of SEO or search. And I think for that yeah. reason, it, you know, we find ourselves in Australia, which probably isn't as advanced a market as the US. You just don't have a lot of people who are familiar with digital marketing. You don't have a lot of up and coming practitioners and it really falls on the agencies and those self-taught people to actually find a way to kind of almost educate people and bring them through. Whereas ideally you would have a university system uh, or a TAFE system that's designed to do that. And you would have people coming already post uni, almost ready made to a certain extent to jump into the tools. We don't really have that yet here. So it's, it's exciting to hear that, you know, that's developing at least overseas. And hopefully we can bring more of that to Australia that, you know, you're going to have more textbook, more resources, that it's more front of mind. And we know that it's an emerging industry, so it makes sense that that you know proper educational institutions should be adopting this as a framework and, and bringing people through. They were worried about adoption. I can tell you, it was it was a tough first month before we started writing um, because they had to they had to get enough interest. And so I I did a little bit of research and 
and came back and said, here's here's why I think this is going to work. And I'm glad I did, because like I said, all the colleges are picking up on it and saying, yeah, we we don't have anything specifically just for SEO. We have an SEO week in our digital marketing course, but we don't have an SEO course in our digital marketing program. And so I think we were able to help fill a gap with that. And and it's it's very principle based, but it's very, very practical and actionable as well with examples and case studies and screenshots and um, tools to use exercises that allow you to get out there and actually create an, and optimize a page. So really, uh, and then the simulator, of course. So it's it's a real actionable way to learn. Uh, I find that's, that's the only way that I think the students really enjoy the course is if they get to get their hands dirty. So in, in my San Diego class, I actually have every student have their own WordPress website. Like, all right, you guys are go- going to install Google Analytics and Tag Manager. You're going to set up triggers and events and variables, and you're going to create some conversions. When somebody clicks on a phone number, it fills out a form. We want to see it in analytics. And so they have to do all this stuff themselves, following all these screenshots. And, and it's fun. They feel like, oh, my God, I got done with this. I've got the documentation on how to do it now. I've done it. And I can say that I've done it. And I understand it. And that's that's um, that's cool. Instead of it being theory and, and about terms and definitions. And I don't know. I don't know how students learn with, with that kind of broad style of teaching. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Steve, after this episode, I'm gonna I want to find out where these unis are because I'm hiring at the moment. If I could have people <laughs> who are like getting trained on that sort of stuff right. from a young age, that would be amazing. I also also studied marketing. I did an MBA with a marketing major. There was one module on digital marketing, which even at the time, this was 2012, felt dated. As we're reading it, we're like, it doesn't look like that. Well, that's not how it's showing on my phone. <laughs> like it was just, yeah, it just didn't vibe. So I'm so glad to hear because we also say, Gabe, most most of the time we get guests on and we're like, you know, not many people go up and say, or leave college and they say, I want to be an SEO. I want to work in search, but it's because courses like what you created, Steve, just didn't exist. So hopefully that I think my guest speaking has helped a little bit too. I've, I've been trying to guest speak mm. as many colleges as I want to. Yep. I'm trying to earn links from EDUs or anything, but <laughs> it is, it is nice to, to get in front of students who are in marketing, uh, right. And, and, and share what, what the value could be. And I'd ask a question, how much do you think you can make per hour as an SEO consultant? And yep. um, you'd be shocked to see what the students' reactions are. How, when much, how, how much can you make as an SEO consultant? Maybe, maybe the agency uh, I've seen gives SEOs not the right like way Like Danny to go Sullivan and Aaron Wall charge as much as two thousand dollars an hour. Uh, when I do an ad hoc meeting with with a, a new prospect and they want to do an actual structured strategy call with me, it's about five hundred and fifty bucks an hour in US. <laughs> wow, so, amazing! Yeah, but I don't get those very often. Most most of what we do is retainer based or. Uh, fixed project base, but once a year or so, someone will come in and say, I just want to pay for an hour. And it's like, well, I kind of want to see what they're doing and what they're up to. So I I jump on it for fun. Cool. Well, that is just a a very cool little tidbit of information about what you've been up to, Steve. So congratulations. That's awesome. Appreciate it. You'll like this, Russ. I've actually been doing some lecturing as a bit of a side hustle as well. So uh, Monash University approached me. Well, it's an institution through Monash Uni, which is where I went to university, approached me to do a bit of a digital marketing boot camp. So I've been doing that in the evenings. Not specific to SEO, but there's SEO units, right? So it covers SEO, search, social, gives them a little bit of a grounding in in marketing 101 early on. And then it's a boot camp style. So it's part lecture, but part hands-on activities where they're given constant exercises and they've got to work together as a group uh, and it's pretty intense and the idea is that basically you pull them out of the traditional kind of university style uh, way where they said it's very very hard to get like a, a 
a university approved course in place and because things are changing all the time they would have to constantly be refreshing their course so to do that and remain certified is really challenging so instead what they do is they run a boot camp where you get a certificate and they can literally change you know the the information on the fly and so i think it's it's nice to be able to almost contribute contribute back as well and kind of bring people through because as i said when i started there wasn't perhaps the traditional avenues to to getting involved in digital and they're so interested in it that's that's the fun part and when i go to to speak it's not oh here's another guy from a business you know and i start talking about search algorithms and how to be number one in google you know these students get excited i want to learn how do i do it you know and totally totally yeah well, let's talk about IHOP. So for yeah. our, our US-based listeners, they'd be pretty aware of, of who IHOP are, but we've got lots of yeah. listeners in Australia and the rest of the world. Yeah. Steve, do you want to maybe just give a quick little description of IHOP, like their footprint across the states and you know, a bit about the business? IHOP's been around for many years as a, uh, a chain specializing in breakfast. Uh, they were International House of Pancakes. Ergo, oh, is that what IHOP. it stands for? International House of Pancakes. Yep. I did not know that. And, there you go. Yep. It's like KFC, right? Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> so yeah. IHOP's been around for a while and diner style, but it, it really is a, a casual dining experience. Tables, waiters, etc. It's not really a, a diner the way, say, Denny's is. And they've got about 1,700 locations across the country, and they just started launching a fast casual chain called Flipped. You know, it's what you do with pancakes, right? You flip them. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's Flipped. They've got one in, in Lawrence and uh, in Kansas, and they have one in New York now. And I believe their goal is to have 10 of these, you know, in the next year or so. So really exciting to watch the brand grow from, hey, you know, with, with the changing times and the way that people are using digital and, and busy schedules, not everybody has time to sit down and, and have a, a breakfast in a restaurant. So now they've discovered, hey, let's let's do something fast casual. People can just go in, grab what they need and leave or order on the app, walk in, grab their bag and get out the door. So yeah. um, famous, of course, for their pancakes. Uh, they do a free a National Pancake Day where they give away a free stack of pancakes and all the proceeds of anything that you buy when you come in that day go toward charities. So it's a really fun event, um, a great way to, to kind of give back to the industry, but also, you know, really you know, supports their marketing efforts a bit as well. When I started working with them around 2018, uh, they, they didn't really have a, uh, an SEO division. They didn't have somebody responsible for SEO. They had two digital marketing team members. One was like a director of digital. And I remember meeting with them and I came in, I met him on, on site here in Glendale, California, and we sat down and nicest, you know, smartest people I've, I've met in a long time, but they were so consumed with the other roles that they were responsible for from loyalty programs and emails that that SEO, you know, couldn't be more than like three or 4% of their time. So they didn't even have access to Google analytics. They would call up to it to get reports you know, it's like, come on, <laughs> but, but they're so busy with other things that it's never really been a priority for them at the time. And so we came in and said, you know what, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's build a search strategy. Let's figure out what we need to do from a technical standpoint, from a uh, content standpoint. Let's look at some of our, our internal linking that we talked about earlier and some of the inbound links that are coming in and let's build a plan. Let's load it up and, and we'll collaborate with you, the IT department, your writing team at the time is a company called Barkley. And Barkley does a lot of their content writing for them. And then we'll work with your internal PR team for, you know, opportunities to get links that might support, you know, our, our off-page SEO efforts. And then we'll really dial in local. Let's, let's start creating some pages that 
you know, that will rank for localized queries. When somebody's doing a search for breakfast near me or pancakes near me or waffles near me, let's make sure that IHOP's location pages show up wherever they possibly can. And so that was the game plan was let's, let's come in, let's build this strategy and let's work together. Um, and as we started to do those audits, as we started to learn about what the brand hadn't been doing, we realized that we were working with a clean slate. There was literally no SEO. Every single title and meta description on the website had to be rewritten. It wasn't written with SEO in mind. It was put in by programmers, not by writers. For us, it was it was a win because it's it's always great when you have a clean slate because the only place you can go is up. Right? Yep, yep. Um, but it also meant a lot of work. But that's that's kind of how we got started and and kind of how we got introduced to to IHOP and what that that first couple of months looked like. How many how many locations were there or, or are At there? The time, I think there was seventeen hundred. I think now they're toggling in the sixteen hundred range somewhere yep. around there. Yep. So who were the main competitors in the in that breakfast space? Sure, uh, Cracker Barrel is a big one. Denny's I mentioned, even though they're a diner, they're still showing yep. up for a lot of those breakfast queries, and people go to Denny's often here. Yeah, um, it's going to be there's an uh, original House of Pancakes. There's a Waffle House. Right? Yep. Those are some of the, the big competitors that they're going after. Now, of course, with a lot of the off-premises uh, efforts, you've got the, the delivery service providers, your Grubhub, mm-hmm. your Uber Eats, your Postmates, you know, all, those, all those folks that are uh, trying to show up in search results for breakfast near me and breakfast delivery near me queries are now our direct competitors. Uh, because if somebody does hit one of those links, they might choose some other breakfast on their website and not us. It's almost like search arbitrage in a way. Uh, with the way that these DSPs, these you know delivery service providers, are you know going after SEO, and were any of those competitors pr- prior to outside of the Uber Eats and, the, and and those likes, were any of those other chains were they you know more mature from an SEO perspective? Were they doing the right things from a local SEO perspective? Like how are they going? I think some of them. I think Denny's Denny's was doing some good things. A lot of them had local pages already, like location pages for each of the locations. Um, you know, we, we definitely found a lot of opportunity and challenges that we worked through with IHOP, which I know you want to talk about. Uh, but uh, but from a competitive landscape perspective, uh, I still feel like IHOP's competitors uh, either just don't have the bandwidth to invest in, in local SEO or they're trying to find creative ways to flank the competition, you know, by uh, national delivery and things like that, where you can have famous places deliver food across the country. Was it Gold Belly and some others that, that are you know, trying to allow businesses to, you know, get, you can get black and white cookies from New York now in California, you know, through some of these services, you can order uh, Luminaltis through Tastes of Chicago and have it delivered across the country in dry ice. So there's a lot of that, that's, that affects us where we don't have physical locations. You know, we have a physical location, we're still doing great. But if we, if we aren't specifically, you know, in, in a certain mile radius, you know, some of those other providers, you know, are getting creative on ways that they can, you know, come into the market. So what was the SEO situation of IHOP when they first started? So they, they really didn't have a, a healthy presence in search. From, from branded queries, they did great. If you search for IHOP, you know, the IHOP location near you would appear. Uh, for a lot of the non-branded queries, though, they, um, they didn't have a, a strong content strategy. They didn't have a strong, you know, review rating uh, program in place. They, they were, as I mentioned, sort of a clean slate. You know, so I, I felt like I felt like there was a ton of opportunity, both you know, from a technical standpoint, from a, a content perspective, from looking at local and and how they can optimize and and get a little bit more localized. Um, other challenges that we saw at, at the time included their specials page. 
their specials page was called What's New, because that's how people search for for you know breakfast specials for IHOP, right? You search for IHOP What's New, or you search for breakfast What's New. No, you search for specials, <laughs> deals, promotions, offers, right? Those are the kind of terms that you would you would query. So I I I built a little bit of a, a business case. I looked at keyword research and I said, here's the difference in search volume for specials, and here's what's new. So let's give this a shot. Let's let's redirect this URL. Let's add some specials, promos, deals, language to the page, and let's see if we can amplify our rankings for some of these non-branded search terms like specials near me and and restaurant specials. And and we saw a very significant increase, almost double the traffic within about 90 days by just making that one small change from what's new to specials, using words that people use when they're querying the web and not using internal language. That was just the starting point. That that created a sort of a, a hub for us now to create more content. So every time they'd have a special, they'd load it up on the what's new page. And then when they had another special, they wiped it and they created more content on that same URL. Well, the problem was other websites that were linking to that content would stop linking because they'd say, oh, here's IHOP's National Pancake Day. And then they would link to this what's new and they go, wait, whoa, this isn't National Pancakes Day. It's all you can eat pancakes. I better remove my link because it's misleading. And so they gain a bunch of links and then they lose a bunch of links They gain a bunch of links, and lose a bunch of links. So we said, hey, let's let's start creating dedicated pages for each of these specials that you're having. You have an all you can eat page. You have a National Pancake Day page. Pretty sure a permanent one is getting launched here in a couple of days. Right now, it's it's what we call sunsetted, where it says this promo is over. But we're now we're starting to create more evergreen content so that we can continuously earn links throughout the year without a pop up that says this promo is over or until next year. So the idea was to create dedicated pages, and that amplified our search significantly because now those links would stick every time we ran a promo that we knew was a recurring promo. We created a evergreen page that could be linked to. And those links would stay forever and ever and ever. So instead of this pattern of up and down in terms of new links that they would earn, now it's a straight pattern up. And it's a, it's a pretty exciting growth, I think, when you think about where they started with one page. Um, mm. And now having evergreen content has made you know, such a difference. One of those beautiful looking AHF referring domains graphs that goes, right. uh, goes you know, gradually up the one way. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's exciting. So awesome. and, and you're doing it organically because you're creating really helpful content that people are looking for and you're a brand that people trust. So now you don't have to do as much outreach. You don't have to. And mm. people are looking for those promos throughout the year. And if they can't find it on the website, guess where they're going to go? They're going to go to some news website or, you know, some some place where you syndicated a blog post somewhere or worse. They're going to go to your news page that isn't optimized to, to convert a visitor. Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of you know, press release language that makes them bounce and go back to the search results. So yeah, having those evergreen URLs allowed us to control what users would, users will see when they perform those searches, even after those promotions are over. Steve, just on that, what, what clued you into the fact that people were linking to these pages and then those links would be removed because they would recognize that the page had shifted or the content wasn't there anymore, or, you know, it was no longer relevant. Were you just looking at like, uh, you know, lost backlinks and then trying to understand why we're constantly going through waves of earning and losing links or what was it that was mostly it it was it was when we do that competitive baseline we see what the top linked pages are on all the competitor websites to see what the industry does you know as part of that we're looking at at ihops and we're like boy they get a lot of links to these different national pancake things and 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 they're all like 404 now like when i go to the page it's gone or or now it's going to this what's new page 
right? What's going on? And that's a soft 404 because these are these are pages that are linking, you know, and they're they're mentioning all about how this content's about I don't know National Pancake Day, but they're getting to a page that's about something completely different. So I don't I don't think Google was passing any of that value, but that was part of the research. And you know, thanks to tools like SEMrush, we were able to you know do a little bit of that analysis and figure out oh here's what's happening. It's a little bit of a roller coaster in terms of of links when they're found, when they died. And we're like, yeah, and we can filter them out, you know, using some of those filters to see what URLs they were going to. And like, oh, it makes sense. They would they would simply drop this content, replace the content, and then the people would drop their links. So it, it did take a little bit of investigative research, but it was weird seeing a site where you you had a link graph like that that was so rocky. You know, like you, you normally see sites grow in links over time, but to see it rocky like that was weird. I think I can safely say that most SEOs would have missed that. You know, so it's... It's taking the time to do the research and analysis, but going a step further and having that curiosity, which you can't teach, it's like the soft skill of SEO. And it's what I think distinguishes an ordinary SEO from a really good SEO is, are you constantly asking yourself the question, why is that? You know, what, does it have to be that way? What's, what's the motivating force? What's the driving force behind it? And then you unearth those nuggets, which sometimes can take ages to unearth, right? Like you can do a lot of research and never kind of really stumble on anything solid. And then all of a sudden... And it's like, okay, that's a treasure trove of opportunities had you not taken the time to not only do the research but then ask the follow-up questions and try to get to the bottom of why it's happening that way. You might not have thought of, okay, so that's the solution. And then from there, that springboards an entire strategy which launches more links, more authority, and and ultimately more traffic. Deep research is fun. I, I really enjoy when we've got a page that's like number three and it won't move up. And we have, you know, we have that moment where we're like, all right, let's take, let's take number one and number two and let's drop them into a Google sheet and let's put every single on page, off page, click through rates, you know, um, every single focal point that we could, we could look at and approach and figure out and reverse engineer what the heck's going on with those top two. Fortunately, most of the time when we see that, because we follow a lot of white hat best practices, we see them doing a lot of spammy things. In those cases, it gives us an opportunity to report them. If they're in a local map pack, you know, we'll call Ben Fisher, you know, at Steady Demand. And we're like, Ben, call your friends at Google and get this guy removed. They're, they're gaming search results. If it's organically, then you just submit it and say, hey, they're buying links. But uh, but there are occasions sometimes where you learn something where like, oh, I see what they're doing. They've they've hit on four different topics on this page that we haven't even thought about. Let's Let's look at the top 20 results and come up with some overlapping topics that we should bring up in this page that we've solved what all the users might be looking for. So sometimes we learn, but there's a lot of occasions where it's really just spam. <laughs> so unfortunately. It's funny. That's another recurring theme we have with our guests when we talk about the different tools that you're using to try to figure out why it's, what's ranking, what's not. But good old Google gives you the answer. You know, if you can just keep yeah. going back and checking to see, well, what is actually ranking and, you know, what's consistent there and then pulling it from there. As opposed to trying to have every wonderful tool under the sun, Google is an amazing machine. Like let's it's, let's use it and, and try to interpret it that way. So another another challenge that we had, similar to what we were doing with with Applebee's, was off premises. Was was really you know especially during the pandemic was to try to get try to get users who couldn't go outside their homes because they're on lockdown to order delivery, takeout, car side, curbside, you know all the all the things, right? And and we followed the same same sort of structure as we did for Applebee's. We we said let's let's start at the local level and let's make sure that every page has a dedicated delivery page. Let's make sure every every location has a dedicated takeout page. 
Um, eventually, like we talked about with, with Applebee's, we also created jobs pages for restaurant jobs and you know, breakfast restaurant jobs and so forth. One thing we did get ahead of a bit is a specials page now. It's something that, that we, you know, have adv- been advocating for for a while. But if you were to search for breakfast specials near me, sure, there's a root specials page now. It's not what's new anymore. But if you geo-modified your query to, to include the city that you're searching from, then you might not get, you know, uh, a specific IHOP location. So we created a specials page for lunch specials, breakfast specials, uh, breakfast specials near me, breakfast offers near me, right? We've, we've got a page with really rich content um, that highlights whatever their current promotion is, uh, as well as address those search terms. And we're starting to see that now start to creep in. It's only been about a month and a half, but, you know, we've already generated well over a million impressions just because there's so many locations. And so few are actual uh, brick and mortar competitors have addressed specials as a content strategy. So um, that was that I think that was a win out the gate was was convincing, convincing stakeholders of what the opportunity looked like. Uh, both on the off-premises side, you know, doing our keyword research and seeing what was available, as well as, you know, what we could have been doing with specials and uh, eventually some other things like catering and so forth. So I think, I think that was, that was a big win, getting that, that forecast in of what we thought we could, we could do with it and then proving it, you know, loading those keywords up, you know, breakfast delivery, and then the city for every single city that they have a location in, into our keyword tracker and being able to set up you know, a, a pulse on how we're doing in terms of our share of voice, our visibility, our average position, and then reporting on that once a month and saying, hey, here's, I know you made a big investment in trying to, to get these pages up and trying to get them optimized. It wasn't for naught. You're, you've moved up from position 17 on average for delivery, you know, now up to position six on average. So we're almost there. Let's just keep chipping away. And um, you know, we got a few things in the pipeline that we're going to continue augmenting our strategy with that we think will get us in the top three and flanking those delivery service providers. So that was that was the challenge was was creating the business case to to convince stakeholders that there was an opportunity and then getting buy in and, and collaboration with the folks that design those pages and the ones that propagate it with all the dynamic data that we need to be able to make those pages as unique and as um, hyper local as we possibly could. When you started at IHOP, like what resources did you have both internally and externally? You're working with agencies, contractors, you know, what kind of resources? Yep. At the time they had a, a, they have a a team of folks with Dine IT. Dine Brands is the parent company and they run both the Applebee's and IHOP sites. So Dine IT was our resource. If we needed something, we created a Jira ticket and it went into the MarTech queue and it died. (laughs) And so there wasn't a lot of resources dedicated <laughs> to SEO, and it took a lot of effort to, um, you know, to get that going. Fortunately, over over time, you know, we've we've shown enough performance that now we have dedicated reps that we get to work with, and you know, we have a, a team member we get to high five every day and and work on tech items. Uh, resources on the writing side also somewhat constrained, partially by you know all the ideas that we had that each one had to be scoped out as a separate cost. So when we said, hey, let's let's do this new special sub page or let's break up these into two different pages, you know, they'd come back, they'd scope it out. And I was like, yeah, we really don't want to put that much budget into it. And the writers want to charge too much. So um, so we had some constraints in being able to do that. The other constraint we had resource wise was was getting enough content on some of these specials pages. So in some cases, unfortunately, the news posts would go live first 
and the news page would absorb all the traffic and get the rankings. And now our specials page, which launched a few hours later, has to compete against this news page that's already earned links from all the press releases and whatever. And those news pages don't convert. So it's like we've had to combat our news pages with a very limited in text specials page. Mm. So um, so that was that was a key challenge, I think, from a resource standpoint is getting getting supports from the writing team, not the PR team, who did amazing, but the writing team that could outperform the PR team in terms of content. The third challenge is off page. So that the PR piece of it, public relations teams, they, they don't do link building. They use Scission. They find relationships and connections and, and submit news to places where, you know, the Yahoo Finance and so forth, where they can get visibility. Those links don't pass page rank. There are no follow links. And you know, they don't really play a role in, in helping us to rank. They might help from a, you know, entity citation correlation standpoint, but from a from a duplicate content and, you know, and, and Google Panda standpoint, you know, it's not really helping us. And those those links are all the same anchor text. And at some point, you know, the, the law of diminishing return. So being able to to work with PR teams and get resources to do some outreach to earn links from bloggers and food bloggers and folks that, you know, that will send page rank passing value to us, you know, by us collaborating with them, that was a huge challenge as well. Because again, there isn't a dedicated in-house person. On our team, you know, we have strategists that that specialize in each of those disciplines. So Monique, for example, she she helps with link strategy. He, she provides the opportunities and she says, go after these, you know, she doesn't have an IHOP email and, and can't send emails or anything, right? Uh, we've got Dan, who's our, our tech uh, SEO, and he'll work with the Dyn IT team and their Jira platform to line up and queue up and run in sprints to get things done. Uh, we've got Brian, who's helped us to, to put these beautiful designs together so that, that the client can visualize what the heck we're talking about. Like, hey, we need a specials page. And we put a Google Doc together, and they're like, this is a lot of content. I'm not really sure this is, I'm not, I don't know where you're going. So we put a design together, and we're like, here's what it looks like with the design. And they go, oh, this is great. You can see the hero banner and you can see the things and the tiles, this works. So Brian's been great in helping us to create a better visual to help us push through some of our, our suggested content improvements. Uh, you know, and then Hansel, right? Hansel, he runs the helm of all the local SEO working with, with Rio SEO at the moment on data management, local pages, building more visibility to our location pages through citations. And then, of course, continuing to advocate for a stronger, more integrated nat- uh, native review program. Um, so, so we've got every team member pushing our clients through as much as we possibly can and playing a, you know, a, a conduit between them and, and the vendors to maximize what we can do in search. So from a resource standpoint, you know, we, we do a lot more, I think, than, than what was probably initially expected of us from a consulting standpoint. We do get our hands in the weeds quite a bit. But we do that because we know that the team, you know, is is constrained with, you know, what they have and what their priorities are. And during a pandemic, sometimes SEO isn't the top priority. And you mentioned then, Steve, uh, citation correlation, you know, for these PR links that aren't actually follow links. So you're not you know, necessarily getting the SEO juice, but I've never actually heard that that phrase before. Can you elaborate? Sure, sure. So back in the day when I had an, an actual SEO expert page before the, you know, the, remember the whole story I told you, I think last time I used to rank number one for SEO expert. Back when I, when I had that, I remember having a conversation with someone and they said, I don't understand it. These other guys, Neil Patel, whoever, Brad Fallon, they, they all have more links than you do. Some from colleges and government websites, they all have better content design than you do. Because even though I was a web designer, I wasn't a you know, a four-year graduate of, you know, of, of graphic design. 
So they had better page flow. They had better links. So how is it that Steve Wiedemann outranks, you know, the, the folks that have better on-page and off-page SEO? And I would show them if you do a search for SEO expert in quotes and Steve Wiedemann in quotes, that I would appear at the time somewhere between four to 12,000 times. And then they do a search for, you know, Brad Fallon and SEO expert or whoever. And, and what you'd find is that there was, you know, millions of results that, that would appear, you know, for different queries. And for, for that particular one, I had the most visibility because in the, in the early 2000s, I was always promoting content off the website as SEO expert, Steve Wiedemann, Steve Wiedemann, SEO expert, because that was a priority for me to show my boss that I could do SEO. And I used that correlation of, of, you know, my name and that phrase, those two entities in, in a, in an effort to try to get Google to see them as being semantic to each other. And it, and it worked. You know, at, at some point I was able to, to flank the competition and a lot of it was really just making sure anywhere my name was found, it was with the words SEO expert. And we're talking going back to like 2005, right? This is like forever ago. But, but there is that, right? Google's crawling the web. It's reading the pages. It's crawling. It's looking for words. It's looking for entities. It's looking for, you know, anything it, it can understand the meaning of the page the you know the links that that it's pointing to and um, and what the page titles and, and headings are to help describe what the links might be about. So I think there's a lot of, of that that we don't uh, that we kind of take for granted. I know links is still kind of one of the strongest points of you know we look at the link graph and how Google's passing votes, but the content that's on the pages that are passing those votes is is definitely important and the words that you use and um, and I think even some of the recent studies they've shown more than ever now if if Google finds a passage or a section of the page and the words are before or after, right, that that they'll try to they'll try to make that correlation and and eventually could play a role in in the relevancy of that entity being more important to those phrases. So um so yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, but I'm still like, what can I do to earn links? But people are so jaded now on link emails and link outreach and 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 there's so many, you know, rel equals sponsored and rel equals UGC and no follow that that it's almost not worth it anymore. Now it's more worth it's more worth your while to just try to get great content out there and use the words that are important to you in key areas of that page, in the title, in the heading, in the subheadings, and that can make a huge difference. You know, long term. I remember. I remember one point we did this test with another marketing firm we were training, and they said we really want to show up for digital marketer or digital marketing as a digital marketing agency. I think is their keyword, and all we did was go across every social profile that they had that was highly linked to, and we edited their byline to include digital marketing agency. And so that correlation between the social profile, the byline that describes the business helped to create the knowledge graph um, that boosted their ranking for digital marketing agency. It made it made a difference and it helped. And you know those things from social media are all nofollow. They don't pass value, yeah. but it worked. We saw a lift and it was pretty quick. How interesting. I've just never heard that phrase before. So, and it makes, it totally makes sense. And, and you know, there's more than that too. There's how people are, are using your brand in searches. You know, when people are doing search for IHOP, IHOP breakfast, IHOP specials, IHOP pancakes, that helps them with non-branded because it's showing Google that there's an entity and there's a phrase being queried multiple yeah. times. Yeah. But unfortunately, because that is an exploit, there are a lot of businesses building software now to try to emulate users and and game search results. They're mm -hmm. setting up phones and, and automated queries to try to to make the search engines think that they're an important brand for that search term by creating fake searches. But I got to tell you, if you're doing that or you're thinking about doing it, it's not scalable. You're creating mm -hmm. a pattern of irregular 
behavior. And if it stops, and it will stop at some point from a Wi-Fi going down or something, Google's going to see that. And they're going to go, okay, so all this time you were just lying to me, you know, and it's going to bite you. So, you know, like Jim Rohn said, right, you don't have to do extraordinary things to be successful. You just have to do ordinary things extraordinarily well. So where's the site at now? I'm really curious to see from like those early points where sure. SEO was just, there was no SEO strategy, basically. It was just the, <laughs> the guy who built the site, the, the site was just there. It was a brand that everyone knew. Sure. Yeah, where, where's it at now? Uh, we have a long way to go, but it's, it's, been, it's been fantastic in terms of the success we've had. You know, the, the rewrite of uh, titles and meta descriptions, the improve, improvements of internal linking, which you can see a little bit of if you look at the footer of the website. The local page optimization strategies has made a huge difference. Now we look back at just just the two key areas of off-prem, like like takeout and and delivery. And yeah, I I remember looking at at our keyword rankings in general. I mentioned one earlier. I went from like seventeen to position six. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went, you know, from from I think we we're like twenty two on average now to position four. Uh, I think with takeout, the the specials page is now starting to gain gain way as well. Come up. From a revenue standpoint, though, it's it's been it's been amazing, and and I think part of it, of course, is pandemic and us getting the opportunity to address the pandemic through off-premises content, which didn't exist previously. That definitely made an impact, but I think overall, you know, we've we've seen you know almost a two hundred percent increase since we started in overall search traffic and other metrics, respectively. So it's yeah. it's been a it's been an exciting journey, and sometimes it's it's something as simple as putting a a start order button in the footer. <laughs> I remember uh, it was a year and a half ago, two years ago, getting an email from from Jeff, who was our rep that, at the time. And and he said, hey, guys, can you send me an email on what happened this weekend? We had like our best weekend ever, over $2 million in sales. What's going on? And we're like, Jeff, we, we put a start order button on the thing on Friday, remember? <laughs> so so previously, it was like, get directions. That was the call to action. Yeah. Nobody wanted directions when they're on lockdown. They want to place an order. So um, one little thumb tap friendly button, you know, created that much of an impact, which was uh, was pretty exciting. Amazing. I do love how like fully immersed in the brand you get and like, <laughs> but not just that, like where it's, because I guess, you know, SEOs can just get stuck in the execution and oh, yeah. lose sight of the business objectives or even lose sight to ask questions around you know, where the business is going when it sort of leads into my next question around the future roadmap for, for IHOP. Like, what do you guys see as, as some of the key things that you'll need to be implementing to continue the growth? Sure. So right right now, we're, we're taking our learnings from that study we did last year on the 300 pages that we looked at. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to, uh, well, we've been doing it for a while, pulling a lot of data around every single city. And we're going to start threading that data into the, the copy to provide more helpful hyper-local content. So instead of it saying, visit IHOP off of Lincoln Avenue if you want pancakes, right? It's, it's going to say instead, hungry after a, a, a Laker game at, you know, such and such stadium. It used, used yeah. to be Staples. I don't know what they call it now. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah. um, you know, uh, or concert got canceled and, and you want to have something to eat and, and drink away your, your pain, come to IHOP. Or you're a college student at such and such college and you're hungry for breakfast because the cafeteria is closed. Come in. So we're, we're trying to provide fun, helpful, useful content. That's, that's rich in local information around the Mm. cities that we're trying to optimize for total of somewhere close to 60 fields that we pulled in. 
Uh, we had to parse some of them out because of inconsistency, but I think we still ended up somewhere in the 50 range of unique fields and attributes that we hope to address. The other challenge we're working through, of course, is, is native reviews. Every site deals with this because who's going to moderate that? If you've got 1,700 locations and you're getting you know, 10 or 20 reviews a day on each of those, who's going to read all that and make sure it gets through? It's a heck of a lot of work. So it's it's trying to figure out a way to, to do it, kind of crawl, rock, run, run. But we're, we're working through that. Between the two of those things, the UGC and and some of that really helpful hyperlocal content, uh, we feel that's going to be hopefully the next round of, of what we do to kick some butt on the SEO side. Steve, thanks so much. As always, we love having you on. As we said earlier, he's the first time we've had someone back. And <laughs> my, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, just, just some amazing stories about, you know, these big brands that people, everyone knows, and some of the amazing things that SEO can do. <laughs> when there's a focus on it and when you're working in alignment with the business and you're trying to, to really help them grow, not just traffic, but you know, things like helping grow revenue over a weekend. What a cool story. Just one call to action, all of a sudden record sales. Amazing. <laughs> math, math, art, science, and creativity. That's what they say SEO is these days, but it's not a myth. It's not secret sauce, all the information's out there. And, and I think you did give away that, that course last time we talked. So Please feel free if anyone else wants to go through and, and learn those basics. That course is still totally free. We're refreshing it in a month or two, so feel free. It's very similar to what I teach at Cal State Fullerton, and it walks you through all of that. So if you'd like, feel free. Just let me know what you liked and didn't like and how I can improve it. Get a little certificate when you're done, but at least uh, it'll get you up to speed with everything you need to do for SEO and give you all the same templates we use. So enjoy. How cool. We'll definitely make that available again, this podcast. Gabe, did you have any closing questions or remarks before I wrap us up? I, I just, I love having Steve on. I think why, why leave it at two times? We've got to have him on Thank for you. a third or fourth because you're just so candid. And I like how you're coming from SEO from different angles. You're doing different things. I, I kind of can't work out how you have all the time in the day to run this consultancy and be doing all of what you're doing and producing textbooks and teaching people. You must have some kind of secret up your sleeve to be able to juggle all those balls and make it happen. My secret, my secret's Mike Warren of Ditch the Dad Bod. He he taught me, trained me to to be really disciplined in in what my daily routine is, to focus around exercise, food, mindfulness, and sleep. And those four areas help me keep a, a strong, balanced, focused day. And then I read uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport, and I've basically reduced my social media time by 95%. So I'm, I'm extremely focused and I still am happy and enjoying my day. It's been great. So there's who I give credit to. Mark Warren, this is that bot. <laughs> I'm Googling those right now. I'm like, I need those books. <laughs> well, he, just, he just launched his website a few weeks ago, ditchthedadbod.com, if you want to check it out. Super amazing guy. He's in Australia and he's a business consultant and, and a fitness trainer. And he's, he's, he's outrageous. If you follow him on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, he's, he's super funny and engaging. When you get to meet him, he's, he's the most brilliant man I think I've ever met. Just genius guy. Excellent. I'm going to look him up as well on TikTok, especially. Steve, thank you so much for, for jumping on today. So that's been you, SEO guys. Success Stories with Steve Wiedemann of Wiedemann Consulting. We've been talking about IHOP and the amazing work that they've done there. Again, as we always say, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please jump on, write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the, all the platforms. Really great to have you on, Steve. We love you as a guest. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You've been listening to SEO Success Stories, Gabe Russ and Steve Wiedemann. Cheers, guys. Thanks, everyone.